Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. that we'll, we'll, I'll tell you another time. Anyway, there was another kid on my street named Rodney, and uh, Rodney and I were not best friends, and ironically, he's still alive, but Rodney and I, um, we kind of kind of the neighborhood nemesis, you know what I mean? Did you have one of those, or were you a good person? I, I don't know. I had a neighborhood ne- nemesis named Rodney, and there were about 14 kids on our block when I was growing up. So we lived in a brand new development in Arlington. Wasn't super fancy, but it was brand new and special for us. And behind my house, there were some woods that had not yet been developed. And so what they did was when they began carving out a street back there, they pushed all the trees and all the, all the timber, all the rock, all that stuff into these big piles. And there were two big circles, like these mounds of trees and brush. And there were two of them about 40, 50 yards apart. And what we would do as kids would make those forts, right? And we would have wars between the forts, all these 14 kids. Well, we would get into teams and, you know, we were throwing, I mean, we were dumb, but we we're throwing dirt clods and, you know, all kinds of other dog poop or whatever we could find. And we're just launching them back and forth. Well, <clears throat> there were also in this wooded area, these like bamboo looking kind of growth weed things. And when you pulled them out of the ground, the root system was still attached underneath and it made the most beautiful weapon of death, right, for, for a 10-year-old kid. And so I had these little binoculars out of like a Fruit Loops box, and so they did nothing, right? But we would like watch the other fort and see if there was movement. And Mike Martin, my next-door neighbor, said, Rodney is coming, and Rodney had snuck out the back of their fort, gone down to this fence line, all the way down to the other end, and then was coming up behind us and thought he was being a ninja, but we knew exactly where Rodney was, right? I pulled one of those roots out, and as Rodney got about 20 feet behind us, I'd jump up on top of this fort with this root death weapon, and i launch it at Rodney, no expectation that it would ever make its target. But Rodney turns when he sees it coming, like the, and it's all slow motion now, right? Rodney sees this thing and he turns and he starts to kind of run, but that thing nails Rodney square in the middle of the back. And Rodney drops down to his poor evil knees, right? And... F- 
He's not evil. Right? He, he falls right? and he starts crying, obviously, because that was super cruel of me. And he gets up and he runs home. Well, we knew Rodney's mom. And Rodney's mom was a broken, mean lady. If <laughs> She was just awful to the rest of the kids on the street, right? I, I don't think that about her now. Let me clarify, right? But as a 10-year-old boy, when you've been yelled at and the cops have been called on you, you think, you know what I mean? She, she was evil. And so, <clears throat> about two minutes later, Rodney's mom comes walking like on a mission towards the forts, right? All the other kids rightly scatter. I run to my backyard, which is about 40 yards from the forts, thinking it's safe. And I run into my backyard, and she starts walking into my backyard, and I'm like, whoa, I run back to the back porch because it's safe. And Rodney's mom keeps coming. Look, I had a reunion with my neighborhood kids about two months ago, and we were all talking about that story. And, and they will confirm what I'm about to tell you. I'm pretty sure she had a weapon, like a firearm in her hand. It could have been a remote control. Like maybe she was watching TV. I don't know. But as a 10-year-old boy, she, she had a weapon of some sort in her hand. And she starts screaming at me. My husband lost his job. My dad is in the hospital. If you ever put your hands on my kid, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, true story. And I mean, I, or at least I think that's how it went, right? But <laughs> I know that she definitely yelled threat at me and I was horrified as a 10-year-old boy. Well, she ends up leaving. I'm still alive. So I never put my hands on Rodney again. But here's what matters most about that story. Like Bear, Rodney's family didn't grow up teaching, learning, loving Jesus the way I had been as a child. And in that moment, I know there's a lot of this going on, so forgive me, I've been called to ministry since all that, but like I was a terrible example of Jesus to Rodney and his family. Terrible example. But that moment stuck with me so deeply because I knew that Jesus Christ had done something for me and my family that he hadn't done for Rodney and his family. And maybe I ruined it. I don't know. But as we talk about the third step of disciple-making disciple-makers, which is where we've been the last three or four weeks, I want us to look at the idea of investing in a few, investing in others. And I want us to unpack that together and look at what it really means to give away something that is in us to invest that in other people. So we've talked about walking with God. 
We've talked about the importance of reaching our world for Christ. And this morning, let's look at John 13 together and see what Jesus says about investing in others. Will you pray with me? God, we are in desperate need of your grace, every one of us. And even if we don't have sad, hard, terrible stories to tell about our experience with you, every one of us have been plagued with an insecurity, a deep lack of understanding of you and your nature. And all of us have dropped the ball. We've failed at times when it comes to showing others the way to Jesus. But by your grace and your mercy, you have given us so many opportunities to seek you and find you, to walk with you, to grow in our desire to share you with those around us, our world. And God, today, I pray that you would anoint your word with a power and a compulsion to pour out what we know and love about you into others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Investing in a few has a lot to do with the next generation. There's no doubt about that. We have a great responsibility to pour out what we know and love about Jesus into the children and the grandchildren, nephews, nieces, neighbors, kids that we teach. There's a great responsibility there. But it's not just about investing in the next generation. It's also about investing in future generations. God set us free. He saved us. He redeemed us from our sin, from our insecurities, from our loss, from our lack, from our doubt. He set us free from that so that we could tell the story, Jesus set me free. And then that goes on to generation after generation. But it's not just about next or future generations. It's also about this generation. God didn't set you free for someday. God sets you free for today. God sets you free today. And that means we owe the world what He has done for us to share with them who Jesus is for us and in us. In fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3 said, Now to Him who is able to do abundantly more than we ask or hope, by the power that is at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ forever and ever. We like to focus on things like He's able to do more than we hope. We like to focus on His glory. We like to focus on the power of the Spirit at work in us. But what we forget to remember, what we forget to notice is that he says it is at work in the church and in Jesus Christ. You are God's plan A for people to know and love and follow Jesus. The church is God's first 
plan for the world around us. It's not that they might hope and hear and see Jesus alive. That that is absolutely his purpose, that people know that Jesus Christ died for sin and he raised from the dead and he is back in heaven preparing a place for us. That's what he wants them to know. But it's you and me who are the instruments of grace, the voice of hope, the carrier of peace, the giver of life for others to see. It's you and me. We're his plan A. John 13. Our great commandment, our great instruction from Jesus. When he says in the upper room, a new commandment I give you, John 13, 34 and 35, that you love one another. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so are you also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciple, that you follow me, that you what? Love one another. That's the great commandment. Now let's put that in context. Where and when is Jesus saying this? He says this in the upper room. Just moments before he had washed his disciples' feet, pouring himself out, emptying himself, sacrificing, humbling himself to wash their dirty disciple feet. And what he's about to do is tell Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to reject me. Here's my commandment, that you love one another. By this, all people will know you're my disciple, that you're my follower, if you love one another. Oh, but Peter, you're going to fall on your face. You're going to fail. You're going to deny me. I don't know about you, that feels really familiar. Because even as children of God, as followers of Jesus, sometimes we fall on our face. And we forget who we are, whose we are, what Jesus... It's, it's real for all of us, is it not? You can all go, mm-hmm. It's real for all of us. We all fall. We all stumble. We all fail God from time to time. But this commandment is given to us for three very distinct purposes. This is where we're going to be this morning. You're going to start hearing some important buzzwords in the weeks, months, years to come. Part of our purpose, part of our calling is to invest, invite, and include others. This is why the church exists, to invest, to invite, and to include. So let's talk about what it looks like to invest in others. When we invest in others, this goes way beyond church attendance way more important than just going to church. You with me? In fact, I would suggest that there is nothing as dry and tedious and boring 
in the world as religion. It's just, it's just dry. Being a religious person is not why Jesus Christ saved you. Being religious in your practice on Sunday morning and Wednesday night is not why Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He didn't die for religion. You know what he died for? Verse 34, a new commandment, a new instruction that I give you is to love one another. And I would suggest that loving others, (laughs) I know you're about to agree with me now. Loving others is dirty business, isn't it? Loving people through their junk, loving people when we don't want to, loving people who don't love us back, it is dirty, dirty business. But I would also suggest this to us. That when God's sheep are a dirty gray, when we roll around in the muck and we get dirty, when we experience the stuff that life throws at us, the black sheep of the world are way more willing to let us in. I am not suggesting for one second that we are called to live like they do. I'm not suggesting that we do the things, say the same things, go the same places that they go. What I mean is we've all walked through the junk and the pain and the loss and the suffering and the filth of this world. And when we carry that with us, the world starts to somehow connect with us. Instead of pretending to be something we're not, we say, I've walked through the junk and I still hold on to Jesus. I don't know how, but he was my only hope. Abundantly more than we ask or hope. That's what we're sharing. That Jesus Christ wants to do something for them that they cannot do for themselves. I I know that you've walked through some hard times. Every one of us. Let me ask you this. Are the marks of the cross on you where your life looks like you have identified with the sacrifice and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and you carry the scars, not the open wounds. You have the scars of the cross on you. Not just on your body, but on your face, in your past, where people see that and they go, they've been through it. They're still here to tell the story. I might listen to what they say. What are the identifications in your life with the sacrifice of Jesus, the person of Jesus? What is it about your life where you can stand in front of others and say, man, I've died a death emotionally, mentally, spiritually, financially, maritally. I died a death and I'm here to tell the story. I don't ever want to do that again, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. 
This is Jesus' word to us. I don't want to do that again, but I wouldn't trade it for the world because of what it did for your life. Investing in others means that we can sit with them over a cup of coffee or breakfast and say, I've walked through it, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus is enough. If you will trust him, he will show himself to you and he will also set you free. When we invest in others, we live to tell the story. If you will follow Jesus, everything is not going to be perfect. It may not even be okay, but your perspective changes because you've been with Jesus. This is what investing in others is all about. And so it doesn't mean you go looking for trouble. If you ask God for suffering so you can identify with Jesus, you're a fool. It's the same reason we don't ask God to teach us patience. There's only one way to learn patience. Only one way. You've got to wait for it. Don't ask him for it. What it means, though, is that you have been through the fire, and you probably have. What it means is maybe you're in the fire, and you may be. But you can stand in front of people you care about with a broken spear and a dimming light and say, let's hold on to Jesus together. That's powerful, right? That's Viking breath powerful. That's strong. This is what Jesus wants for you and me so that we earn the right to speak into people's lives with love and grace and dignity and hope and truth and trust. And we wait patiently on the Lord because we know he's going to come through for them. That's what it means to invest in others. And so there's a great quote, speaking of religion and doing church and then investing in others. There's a great quote I want to share with you about bearing the scars, the image of Jesus. Vance Havner, an old pastor, once said this, too many Christians wear medals but have no scars. (laughs) Why? Because they didn't get dirty. They didn't get down in it. They played a part. But they're just religious people. We're not going to be that. The river is not that. We're not just going to show up at church and sing our hymns or sing our songs and pray our prayers and go to Sunday school and teach our children how to pray and pray with them and bless our food. We're not just going to do that. We'll do some of that, but we're going to stand in front of others and say, Jesus Christ died for my sin. I did not do it for myself, and he'll do it for you too. And when people come here, they're going to be safe And they're going to be accepted, not because following Jesus is safe, but because we as people 
are going to be a safe people. You are okay to not be okay here. We are God's people and we are messed up, but we trust him. And when we sing our songs and they don't always go the way they're supposed to go, or when I prepare a message and it doesn't always go the way I want it to go, and when you start having a conversation and you say the thing you didn't really mean to say or you didn't know you were going to say, it's okay because at the end of the day, it's covered with grace and God says, you are my son, you are my daughter, and I want you in this world telling my story. We invest. Not only do we invest, but we invite. I'm not just talking about inviting people to church. That is nice. Right? But inviting people has multiple layers to it. So let's start with a really simple. I want you to repeat after me. What are you doing this weekend? And when they answer, you simply say, you should go to church with me. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, we got football, we got basketball, I'm going to watch a little playoff, whatever. You should go to church with me. That's simple. Come on. I mean, that's low-hanging fruit, right? Nothing to that. What are you doing this weekend? You should go to church with me. Easy. The invitation I'm talking about doesn't stop there. The invitation we have to look at in John 13 is, here's what Jesus has done for me. He gave me a new covenant. He made a new promise between God and me where I drink from this cup. And because I drink from the cup, I'm a child of God. And now I get to identify with him. And yes, I have some scars, but the new covenant connects me to God when I could not connect myself. And I want to invite you to know him the way I know him. I am far from perfect. But I want to invite you into this relationship. So look at John 13, 34, the second part of it. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. Here's the difference. In the first part of the verse, he says, a new commandment I've given you, love one another. The second part of that verse, he says, just as I have loved you, You are also two. That is an imperative command. The first part of the verse is, I loved you so that you would know how to love other people. The second part of that verse is, I loved you, you love other people. Period. I'm not asking. You see the difference? This is big. This is really important. This is why we invite I would say it maybe this way. Don't tell me you love me. Show me. When I'm unlovable, my wife does not like me, but she loves me. If you and I are friends and I've done something to offend you or I've done something wrong and you come to me and you say, now I love you, but... I'm pretty sure if you love me, I'm going to know it. If other people, 
If other people look at, your, look at you and look at your life and your relationship and your trust and the way you extend grace and care about them, the way you sacrifice for them, you don't have to say, I love you, but you can just simply go to that person and say, man, you messed up, but I'm not leaving you. I'm going to crawl in this foxhole with you and I'm going to fight for you. That's what love looks like. When we get dirty with the ones that we care about because they need someone to crawl in with them, that's what love looks like. I'm going to stand back to back with you and make sure nobody hurts you on my watch. I am for you, not against you. I am who you say I am. I feel like we've sung that somewhere. I am for you, not against you. I'm dirty. I have scars. I've been broken. But I'm going to stand here with you until we all figure out how to hold on to Jesus together. We invite people into that. Not just invite them to church. That's baby steps. That's what the Apostle Paul would call milk. The meat is, I'm going to stand with you and pray over you and pray for you and I'll give up whatever I have to give up in order that you might know Jesus better or at all. Did you, did you catch that? I, I, just, I just talked about making a sacrifice. You know what that really means? It means the music or the songs or the style may not be exactly what you like or choose. I'm stepping on your toes right now. It, it means that part of this that we practice and do together, it may not be 100% your cup of tea, but this is where Jesus is preached. This is where God is glorified. This is where we don't compromise the gospel. This is where we say we are learning how to love each other and we're going to serve well together and we're going to make a difference in our world for the name of Jesus. And I'm willing to give up a little bit of what I used to love in order that I might make a difference right where I am. Far too long, too many people have been hopping from one church to another because this place didn't satisfy all their needs. I would say, I love you, but... <laughs> See what I did there? Who cares what you want? Who cares what you want? What we all need is the truth and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ preached faithfully and we sing songs that are vertical and praising the name of Jesus and we don't compromise that even when it doesn't always go the way we want it to and we don't know the words. It's about Jesus, not you and me. Sacrifice. That's where invitation begins. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone because I don't want you to get left behind. 
right? Um, so, quick announcement. I uh, shared several weeks ago that Ashley and I were in the process of adopting, and um, we, you know, we've been, we've been looking forward to that for a long time. Started the process um, in 2021. Went through a season of grief, not being able to have children, and reignited the process last summer. Started to apply to agencies for adoption. And in September, um, before we started talking, you, me, the river, um, we were approached about a private adoption. And I don't think I shared all of that, but um, there is a little boy. With our name on him, Lord willing, you know it's risky. She could change her mind. Um, Ashley is already headed that way um, because we don't want to miss it. I'm going to go join her tomorrow. Um, Birth mother is showing some signs and... By the mercy, the grace of God, we will go get a little boy here at the first of February. Yeah. He, he will be our first. I am 52 years old. <laughs> We're asking you to pray for us. I'm going to be out for a week or two um, just as we, as we do that. Um, but we have begun praying and planning and preparing some great, great gifts of God will come and lead us the next two weeks. Um, I was telling the elders, you know, I'm going to be completely available. Um, phone, if you have my number, if not, we'll share that with you. Um, I'm completely available online, whatever. Um, I just won't be able to do the thing that I love the very most, which is hang out with you, spend time with you. Um, But we will have lots of opportunity for that. Um, And we can't wait to introduce you to that little boy. Jesus, please help us. So that's coming. Baby Warren is coming. And we're inviting him into our life. And we will make some sacrifices. And we're going to invite you into his life as well. But there's another level of invitation that matters so very deeply. We find that in Isaiah, Isaiah 26. If you want to look at that with me, Isaiah 26, 8 and 9 says, Yes, Lord, in the paths of your judgment, O Lord. Yes, Lord, we wait for you. Your name and renown, your name and remembrance, who you are is the desire of our hearts. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. We wait for you.
He goes on to say, my soul yearns for you. My soul yearns in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Watch this. When the judgments of the Lord are in the earth, and they are, are they not? We see it all around us. We have to choose righteousness, learn righteousness. The world doesn't know what is righteous. That means you and I have been charged a new covenant I give you that you love one another means we are telling others how to follow Jesus. We don't just take what we've been given and say, thank you, Lord. It means we take what we've been given and we give it away to others. This is a massive, integral part of following Jesus. Huge part of following him. It's what Jesus meant in Matthew 5. When he, he says, you are the salt of the earth, right? Saltiness can lose its power, right? And then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. This is what he means. Once you've heard, once you know, you have a responsibility to do something with that. It's also a privilege, but we cannot keep that for ourselves. This life is not an episode of hoarders. If you ever watch that show, it will mess you up. This isn't a political statement, but I've seen some of the properties on Main Street. Some of you are hoarders, <laughs> right? There's stuff happening in there. God didn't give us anything to keep for ourselves. He gave us everything to give it all away. This is what the incarnation of Jesus Christ is all about. God gave Jesus everything, meaning in his Godship, Jesus Christ the author and sustainer of the universe had everything he ever wanted and needed, but God gave him flesh. So now he's been made like us so that he could give it away. Everything you've been given, God gave you, not for you, but for everyone else around you. Every breath you take is for the people around you. Every experience you have is for the people around you. Every joy, every tear, every fight, every loss, all of it is for the people around you. And sometimes we stand up and we go, God did this for us. Thank you, Jesus. And sometimes we say, God did this. Thank you, Jesus, for seeing me through it right? It's both and. We cannot take the good of God without the bad. What seems bad to us is only bad for a moment, but in the scope of eternity, it's all for his glory, for his name, for his renown, his remembrance. All of it is so that we can point back to Jesus and say, he did that. This is what it means to invest in a few. Why? 1 Corinthians 6. 
as the worship team comes up, they're going to wrap us up here in just a few minutes. 1 Corinthians 6 says, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? To purchase your soul. Why did he have to do that? Because Romans 3 says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6 says, and the cost of that sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So Jesus Christ came to make us right with God. We went deep into that last week. But I'll share this with you. Today, investing in others means we learn to walk with God so that our hearts can be prepared to reach our world. And once we've shared that, we want to give it away. Why? So that they too can keep the message and the light and the hope and the joy and the gift and the forgiveness alive. Not just for the next generation, not just for future generations, but alive and well, thriving today in the world we live in. Make no mistake, people are watching. Our our world is watching. And so, if you're a child of God, I would spend some time this week asking God, I don't know how, but God, will you use these scars that I carry to point others to you? God, will you use this property that you've given me to point others to you? God, will you use these resources, these finances that you've given me to point others to you? God, will you use our marriage to help other couples know how to follow and love Jesus more closely? God, will you use my simple, quiet life? Will you use me to invest in a few to help them know how to follow and love Jesus with all their hearts? This is the call of God on our lives. Will you allow His person, His purpose to be the focus of your life? We've talked about a disciple-making movement here at the river. And it is coming. And I can't wait. And very shortly, there's going to be small groups of people who are discovering how to walk more closely with God to reach their world and then prepare to invest in a few. And then new groups are going to start. And then they're going to reach more people. And then new groups are going to start. And they're going to reach more people. And new groups are going to start. And they're going to reach more people. And this will never, ever, 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 ever be about the river in Panhandle. It will be about the kingdom of God growing exponentially in ways that we could not comprehend. That's what a movement is about. 
We could start programs. We could start Bible studies. We could start ministry and people would be affected. But that's not why Jesus died for us. Jesus died to impact the kingdom further, more abundantly, more exceedingly than we could ever hope or imagine by His power at work in us. To Him be the glory in the church in the name of Jesus forever and ever and ever. Amen. Are you with me? Let's do this. God, we love You. We need You. God, we look back on all that You've done for us and we say thank You. God, we look at our own lives where we see empty places hoping and expecting that You might do something. And we say thank You. God, we trust You. God, I know there are people in this room that don't have all the confidence to share their faith with others. But God, I pray that You would make their faith great and others would see it and be drawn to it. And they would be able to tell the story, when I almost lost hope, Jesus rescued me. God, give us those conversations. Help us to invest in others. Help us to make a difference. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, Go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.